to the Heavenly Banquet, where the hungry are filled with good things. I'm Chad. And I'm Charlotte. So Charlotte, uh, I guess it was a couple weeks ago, the Southern Baptist Convention decided to kick out any churches that had women ministers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because um, that's a top priority for them. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, you and I have talked about this before and we thought it might be helpful to discuss how horrible <laughs> the arguments for that position are. I, You know, I don't think there's any good reason for women to not be in ministry. Um, well, that was very brave of you to say. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. I'm kidding. It's actually very important that you and other men advocate for women in ministry because well, for a couple of reasons, you know, if men currently have power, then they're the only ones who can offer it, right? Can clear the way for other to, others to share in it. But it also, there's a, a particular challenge here with this, and we'll talk more about it, but these misogynistic arguments around uh, women being emotional and defensive and all of these things that the moment that we do often speak up and uh, try to claim space for ourselves, then they act like, well, now they've just proven it. <laughs> like, uh, look, look how, look how crazy they are. They're very upset about this. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, cause you called me less than human. I am yeah. upset about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think most who's, want to say women should not be in ministry or leadership leadership positions want to use scripture to support that. But mm -hmm. if you try to get them to give their reasons for that without deferring description, invariably they end up making horrible misogynistic claims. Like, like you're saying, women are not emotionally capable or they're not intelligent enough or they're spiritually inferior ad nauseum. Mm -hmm. You know, all of which are absurd, hateful, pseudo reasons. So <clears throat> I th think they mostly rely on scripture to do their dirty work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, and from what I can tell, they rely mostly on two passages and then ignore a whole lot of content in the New Testament that supports women in ministry. Yeah. So what do we got? What do we got for these? I'll call them clobber passages. Clobber passages. <laughs> well, the, the first one is first Timothy chapter two verses 12 through 15, which um, I'll just read it. So it says, I permit no woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She is to keep silent for Adam was formed first, then Eve and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing provided they continue in faith and love and holiness with modesty. So that's just a horrible, horrible argument. Um, I don't understand any of it. I don't either. <laughs> I mean, it makes me feel like I didn't read the rest of the Bible. Like, I don't even get <laughs> the part about, like, Eve is deceived and Adam wasn't. Right? Right. I mean, he's standing 
I mean, and, and first of all, now we're in a place where we're talking about a literal Adam and Eve or something right. that this is weighing on. But she's having a conversation with the serpent, like the first theological discussion in the Bible, mm -hmm. right? And then sh she takes the fruit and she eats and she gives it to the man who is standing there the entire time. Yeah, I don't know where this distinction between her being deceived and he was it comes from. But, but think about what that's saying. It's saying, you know, she made a mistake, whereas yeah. he knew because he wasn't deceived. So he knew exactly what he was doing. I mean, who's more morally culpable, the person who makes a mistake because they were deceived or the person who knows exactly what they are doing? Oh, that's how you're reading it. OK, that's interesting. Yeah, too, but also dumb. <laughs> yeah, well, it is because I mean, as an argument, <laughs> it, it is. It's really dumb. I mean, because I don't see in the curses some kind of Eve because you, mm -hmm. but Adam, you're like you're all right or something. That's doesn't yeah. seem to be how God reacts to those acts. But so yeah, since he knew he was doing wrong, he somehow more fitted to uh, th that argument makes no sense but that last line kills me yeah yeah it says uh she will be saved how by grace through faith no no by having children provided those children <laughs> continue in faith and love and holiness so that's the most remarkably unpauline argument or presentation of salvation i could think of i would be shocked if paul actually wrote that mm -hmm. um but who knows maybe he did it seems nonsensical to me too and well this is a problem that i have with the logic of some of these folks who won't allow women to preach or teach men but they mm -hmm. will allow women to teach children yeah. and male children and yeah. so if I'm not good enough <laughs> to share the faith with other adults, why am I good enough to form children and in the faith? Yeah, yeah. We're going to grow up on the, yeah. in their formative years. And if Paul thinks I'm could be saved <laughs> through I'm sorry, <laughs> through my children, if I can't then at some point I'm assuming he's going to say maybe around the 13 or something that I'm no longer fit to teach my male children what but I'm still responsible yeah my my literal soul is in jeopardy if that little boy is ends up with a bad guy teacher I don't I just mm. what's the deal if I was a little boy I'd be ticked off <laughs> If women aren't good enough to teach, period, why do you think they're good enough for me? I don't know. Yeah. So uh, that, that passage is just horrible um, as far as an argument goes. It makes no sense. I think it might also be added that, you know, being in the pastoral epistles, too, uh -huh. I, mean, I really I really have a hard time reading those and thinking they're universal. Because it just seemed, and of course, we don't have the other side of the conversation right? on any of these. We have to kind of suss out through, you know, what Paul is saying, what he's arguing against or for there. 
Yeah. They seem so incredibly personal as well. And uh, for a very specific situation. Yeah. Specific context. Right. Yeah. That we don't know what it is, but yeah. you know, I mean, is Timothy saying he's, you know, got some women just wilding out or something? I don't right. know. We don't know, but we don't know. But to universalize it is probably, not probably, it's a mistake. Yeah. Coupled with the fact it's just a horrible argument. Yeah, it's just weird. I mean, it's weird. Um, so that's one of the primary passages. The other one comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Um, the, the passage itself is... Uh, 34 through 36, but it's sandwiched in a larger context that's important. I don't know if I want to read the whole thing, but I'll just suggest to the listeners, if you go to uh, 1 Corinthians 14 and read from 26 to the end of that chapter, Paul is talking primarily about prophets, right? And in the middle of his discussion, he goes off or presumably he starts going off on women um so i'll just read from 31 so he says for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged and the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets for god is a god not of disorder but of peace as in all the churches of the saints women should be silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak but should be subordinate as the law also says if there's anything they desire to know, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only one it has reached? Which is a really snarky comment. Mm -hmm. And then it goes back to prophets. Anyone who claims to be a prophet or to have spiritual powers must acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is a command of the Lord. So when you read it, it's like this passage about women has been inserted in in the middle of this discussion, matter of fact, in my NRSV, it's in brackets because it looks like is what we call an interpolation, that it wasn't there. If you take that out, and I'll just take it out and read from what, what it says before that passage and after. Here's, what, here's how it sounds. Mm -hmm. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spiritual prophets are subject to prophets. For God is a God not of disorder, but of peace. Anyone who claims to be a prophet or to have spiritual powers must acknowledge that what I'm writing to is a command of the Lord. It's very, mm -hmm. very smooth. It's mm -hmm. so, and I, I don't know about all scholars, but a lot of scholars agree. I mean, it's indicated in my Bible here that that's an interpolation. It wasn't there in the original text. Mm -hmm. Now, to be fair, does that mean Paul didn't say it? Who knows? Right. First Corinthians looks like a patchwork of letters in and of itself. And, and here's the thing. I mean, Paul is writing letters. He doesn't see himself as writing scripture. Um, and at times, Paul makes explicit that what he is saying is his own position, not the Lord's. You know, this is not coming from the Lord. In 1 Corinthians seven twelve, he said, this is from me, not from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I think the question we have to ask ourselves is, does he qualify that every time he gives his opinion? Probably not. Right. And so I think the onus of responsibility falls on us to discern if what he is saying is from the Lord or his own opinion. And the example I always give is which sounds more divinely inspired to you? 
in Christ, this is Paul says this, in Christ there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, okay? Or I don't let women speak in church because Eve was deceived and Adam was. I mean, clearly to me, the more inspired statement is in Christ, we are one. The, right. that, this idea that the way that we carve up humanity in groups is, is um, it causes division and it's about power it has nothing to do with the kingdom. But of course, if you take the position that every statement in scripture is coming straight from God, you well, let's think some about some other statements in scripture. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, all we have here are these two passages, you know, one of which yeah. is very short. The other one is a rambling mess. But and then we have, you know, the Gospels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I guess I'll be guilty of weighing those a little differently too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, we have women with Jesus. We have Jesus encountering women throughout the Gospels mm -hmm. and being very favorable with them. Uh, we have women as the first witnesses to the resurrection, as, you know, Mary Magdalene as apostle to the apostles. Right. Uh, she could preach Easter morning to them, but otherwise, yeah, <laughs> but then <laughs> that would be, then it was like, okay, we've got it from here, lady, uh, Mary and Martha, the words for service there are the same the, for deacons, uh, you know, and whether or not we want to read that much into it, I don't know, but he has a close relationship with them and they're involved in some kind of house church type situation. I don't know how you look at that and then be like, oh no, what, what Jesus wants is for you to be quiet and to only ask your husband <laughs> when you have a question. Yeah. How about Phoebe? I mean, here's the letter yeah. of Romans. Uh-huh. Like the most important theological work in the New Testament. Right. Most certainly by Paul. Mm -hmm. He sends this letter to the Roman church by Phoebe, a woman, refers to her. I'll just read the passage. He says, I commend to you, Sister Phoebe, a deacon or minister of the church of Sancria, so that you may welcome her in the Lord as is fitting for the saints and help her in whatever she may require from you, for she has been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. Mm -hmm. um, he's commending because he's sending this letter through her. I mean, so, so what's the idea that she shows up in Rome and hands it to some dude to read to the congregation? No, she would have read it. And not only would she have read it, she would have interpreted it for it. She would have answered their questions because, mm -hmm. you know, she's basically representing Paul. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the other thing. You've got Paul commending Phoebe and all these other things that's really and saying things like in Christ there's neither male nor female and then these other statements that are really hard to square with each other yeah the the, the statement in in first Timothy for instance so I don't know doesn't he also commend Timothy for having been reared in the faith by his right mate by matriarchs yeah his mom and grandmother right yeah but no mention of his dad <laughs> But don't pass that any further. Let that stop there, I yeah. suppose. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I just don't think there's any good reasons why women should not be in ministry or in positions of leadership, except men want to keep power. And there are plenty of women who seem to want to support that idea of keeping men in power. Mm -hmm. I just, the absurdity of assuming that one could or couldn't do something literally as unphysical let's say as preaching and teaching but yeah. based on one's body and one's genitalia is just wild to me i mean just <laughs> if i just put everything else to the side and then i'm like at what point is somebody using their penis when they're preaching <laughs> <laughs> hopefully never good right. lord and that actually is a problem with the Southern Baptist Convention. <laughs> oh. But I mean, what? How? How could it possibly have any bearing whatsoever? Somebody's gender, you yeah. know. I mean, we're not talking about like men in general may have more muscle mass or something like that. And honestly, more and more of those kinds of statements are just proving false all all around us. But it's talking about the faith. Yeah. I wonder how much of the suppression of women in the evangelical churches would be possible if they weren't also just ahistorical, meaning those folks kind of go, oh, the end of Acts, and then it was us. You know, like nothing <laughs> happened in between. I mean, they literally pride themselves on that. Like we're we're picking up that mantle, whatever. And there's doesn't seem to be any consciousness around what actually happened in the early church. You know, mm -hmm. the fact that the Romans and others mocked the church as being a women's organization. Yep. Right. Um, the fact that because men were in power and had much more to lose by joining a group that would be persecuted, um, that it was a church of widows and virgins mm -hmm. and martyrs. I think it's a very real question to ask what would have happened to the faith if there weren't women um, taking up that mantle. I don't think the church would have persisted without women. Even under the patriarchal structures that it went through, I just don't think it would have... I don't think the church would last right now if it weren't for women. Because I guarantee you, in those denominations that don't want women ministers, they probably are, uh, are constituted mostly by women who do the lion's share of everything else probably yeah oh yeah yeah that's been true <laughs> of every congregation i've been involved with i mean it's just kind yeah. of a picture of the church remains that way yeah i'm just i'm just curious too like you know our earliest martyr accounts are accounts of women young women mm -hmm. even um and those accounts sometimes include men but they mostly include some depiction at the beginning of men fleeing, you know, or recanting or just getting out of there when that particular body begins to be persecuted uh, and the women remaining. 
you know, and within those martyr accounts, they have these like gorgeous creedal statements in there. And the belief that those are not just divinely inspired, but the words of the Holy Spirit, right? When when you were persecuted, don't worry about it. I, the Holy Spirit will come and will tell you what to mm-hmm. say, you know, and why those were read in early worship services. Meaning again, <laughs> it was that was co- the content of preaching and teaching within early worship services was the words of women, but no, not around here. Continue <laughs> to preach. Oh, well. I appreciate you bringing up the the passages and working with them. Some those two troubling Pauline passages. You know, I'm in a place where, like, I just can't even debate it. I mean, I just don't. Just, like, how can you look at the rest of the Bible, the rest of the scripture, and think that? I just, it just Mm -hmm. comes across to me as a completely disingenuous argument. And I know other female colleagues who have things like the word Timothy muted on social media so they don't see those uh, references anymore because Mm. like that's what our inboxes and our mentions are full of is just men who have taken the time out of their day (laughs) to come and tell me that uh, women preachers don't exist (sighs) i don't want to be caught in a situation where i'm meant to defend my own humanity basically Mm. my own connection to god like i'm fine <laughs> what's, yeah what's your problem exactly i agree you know i'm also getting to a place where because the teachings from some of from these churches that believe in this it's so abusive to mm-hmm. women and and it does depend on actually rearing uh women into it I don't I don't know why we don't consider them hate groups. I mean there isn't a place where women aren't treated equally, aren't honored equally, <laughs> where they are not abused. Yeah. It, it, even now it happens in philosophy for instance. I saw a thing where uh, PhD student had published something or other, and she put a picture of Hume and then her picture. And she said, this is what people think a philosopher looks like. And then this is what a philosopher looks like in this picture of her. And man, did the guys who weren't even a philosopher, just random weirdos, Mm -hmm. uh, just inundated her with these horrible messages. I don't know. It's a problem. The misogyny in our culture, maybe in others too, but definitely in ours is huge problem well we claim to be better than that (laughs) i think that's the real issue isn't it i mean we claim that this country and this culture is like built on equality yeah um or that those that's what we aspire to it's not built on that but that's the aspiration right yeah and why this persists in the middle of it and why the rest of us tolerate it rather than mocking it and or just working every day to get women out of it 
you know, we give attention to extremist cults uh, and the way that they treat women. Mm -hmm. And it's doesn't look any different to me, honestly. I mean, if you're constantly told you're going Sunday to Sunday, you're going Wednesday night Bible study, you're going to all of these things where you are constantly reminded that you are inferior to men. That's abuse. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't think we should tolerate it. Oh, that's a bold statement. I just I at this point with the Southern Baptist Convention, I worry about the women that are there that are still there. And then otherwise, you know, people who say they go to or they're a part of a church that's still joined to that. I don't think I'm going to look at them any differently than any other extreme extremist religious group. Can you think of an instance in the gospel accounts where Jesus acted specifically male? Good question. When he kills the fig tree, because it doesn't give him a fig. Okay, he loses his temper at the fig tree, just like a woman would. Completely oh, irrational yeah. and nuts. Um, you know, that's a good question because he doesn't really... I don't want to say he doesn't because I haven't thought it through. I've never really thought about that question. He is surprisingly androgynous, maybe. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think another thing to kind of point to there is that these are the same folks who have also created this very toxic male Jesus, right? Who is like carrying fighting. guns. Yeah, what is not doing the things that Jesus did, right? I mean, Jesus shows that love is stronger than power and might, that power, mm. might, our depictions of it are actually nothing, that nothing has any value whatsoever ever other than love and self-giving love, to be even more precise, that it's servanthood. And in that way, it's very passive, which are all words that those guys, I don't think, or would embrace will they always go to the cleansing of the temple is their example mm -hmm. always mm -hmm. to justify whatever violence they want to while also holding on to the arguments about <laughs> women not being able to control their emotions <laughs> yeah jesus losing his yeah. temper occasionally and that makes that's also the model for masculinity that's gross yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't get mad and he doesn't do anything to fight the people who are actually going to kill him. Yeah. He, he engages in self-preservation. You know, they're going to stone him and he slips away somehow. But yeah, he takes it all. He does not man up, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. uh, because he's got greater power, which is the whole point, I think. You know, that that is a display of unsurpassable power that he can... Um, that love is a greater power than violence. I don't know. It's embarrassing to be associated with it in any way. It is. It is. It is. It's <laughs> embarrassing that, you know, these folks are going to tell you that 
they have such a high regard for scripture and that's why they're doing these things and scripture doesn't support it. I mean, it Uh just, even if I thought those two passages for Paul were both genuine Uh um, and meant to be universal, I have so much other evidence of women in leadership and being valued that, that is just completely ignored you know, and that frustrates me because I want to be like, you know, who's the Bible thumper now? <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, thank you for your two little passages. Uh, let me read the rest of the Bible because that's how we are in our tradition is coming to different conclusions. Mm-hmm. It's dealing with the past, those past Pauline passages in the way that you have and have pointed out some issues there. But it's also going, okay, but we have the entire witness of scripture. Mm. We don't get to just pluck these tiny pieces out and then say, that's my whole world now. That would be, gosh, that is so dangerous and strange. Yeah, it is strange, except you know why, because men want to keep power. That's all. That's what it boils down to. Sure. No, and I appreciate you getting to the essence of that because it's that essence of men or anybody trying to maintain power that is entirely antithetical to this faith. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like we've said before, power only wants to keep power. Love wants to just give of itself, wants to give more love. That's where we're supposed to be standing. Um, Power eats itself up. Because it can do, it cannot do love. It is too busy maintaining itself. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't want to look it up because I also don't want to mention whoever it was who wrote it. But that evangelical preacher, you know, who made this long Twitter thread about how women can't preach because preaching is such a dangerous art, you know, and you have to be able to like physically defend yourself. It's kind of like, persecution yeah when is where is that happening what are you talking about you know and the only way if if there were this need to defend yourself you think it's only through like fisticuffs Mm -hmm. like that's how things are gonna go but that's the implication yeah (laughs) Uh, uh. and it's like i said the only times that Preaching has been a dangerous task for me has been because of men. It has been men that have come up after worship service and have shoved me. Mm, Um, Physically shoved you. Yeah, twice. Good Lord. And honestly, the worst part of that in both cases was that there were a whole bunch of other people standing around who then acted like it didn't happen. (sighs) Which is kind of neither here nor there is a little off topic. But to say there aren't just like unknown threats to the faith, we know what they are. I don't know. But I guess those guys were acting like more like Jesus than the person preaching because they lost their temper. I will admit in both cases, it was I was preaching against power. You know, I had mentioned gun violence and or police brutality. And those are the two things that those men were protecting. Because yeah. it's more sacred than what did the guy gospel. say that it's a dangerous focus? I don't know. what 
the absurdities people go to to save their position when it's already absurd. Okay, here, I'll give a taste of it. Said so the pastorate is a masculine office. Here's why. Pastors who speak the truth of scripture boldly are putting themselves in harm's way for the sake of God's people. Godly pastors run toward this danger, not away from it, because that's how you protect the sheep. A faithful pastor will be regularly exposed to public ridicule and slander. You should see my DMs. He shouldn't complain. He sh that was my, that was me talking about my DMs. Back <laughs> to the guy. He shouldn't complain. He should expect it. This is what he signed up for. This is why, among many reasons, women are not called to be pastors. It is glorious for a man to embrace public scorn for the sake of truth, because doing so aligns with his God-given masculine disposition. I don't want Again, to do that, more. <laughs> that's nothing a woman couldn't do. I don't get it. It's not like he's... Uh, yeah, that's stupid. Says by nature, I will say this. By nature, women are more risk-adverse and more likely to shrink from danger. Huh. You know, he does have a point. There weren't any women on that submarine with the <laughs> We'll mess with uh, mama's baby and see how much they're going to shrink from danger. Right. Or how about just being pregnant and giving birth? Is there mm. anything more dangerous for a person to do? <sighs> That's stupid. I just also, I'm going to say one more thing. Mm -hmm. here which is these folks also um generally define pastor different than you and i too okay because they are happy to have like you say women serving in the church mm. doing the work of ministry uh volunteering their lives for the church and they're fine also with women teaching other women with women teaching children right but where does it stop it's being front and center <laughs> it's the it's the thing that looks like power in the church that they will not tolerate and it's not how that's not how you and i don't think i don't mean to speak for you understand the vocation of a pastorate either i mean it's mm -mm. caring for other people it's tending to their spiritual needs yes there's some preaching and teaching involved but my gosh if that was really all it was my week your week would be a lot shorter That's right. only thing you were supposed to be doing was prepping a sermon but that's that's where the line is drawn is right there and so that's what distinguishes in their minds or whether it's in their minds or it's just in practice uh between a pastor and anybody else uh, working and serving in a church is but who's front and center right who looks like they're in charge which also that's a I'd love you if you, you're a pastor and you think you're in charge of anything either. Good Lord, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you.